Bookers, come on down! You have stumbled upon a pot of word salad at the bottom of a sometimes inappropriate rainbow. At the controls are indie authors Sintra Sullivan, Kay Banning Kellum, and David Atherton Cooper. I'd like to say they know what they're doing, however, as the official voiceover guy, I have sworn an oath of fealty. Welcome to the What the Book podcast, where scripts and pants are optional. All right, good evening, morning, afternoon, bookers, wherever you might be. I am the king of schlock, and as always, I am coming live from my hometown in Northern Louisiana and connecting with my good friends, the Aussies and the English guy. And we got some exciting stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, we will be leaving the D&D campaign on a cliffhanger, uh, but we will revisit it, I promise you. Centra's uh, first time D&D is not going to end on a shitty cliffhanger. <laughs> and speaking of Centra, I am joined, of course, by my illustrious co-host, the true backbone of this operation, Centra uh, Sullivan and David Athen Cooper. Guys, come on in. Good evening. Hello. Good evening, bookers. It's good to be back. Oh, I love this time in my week. It's one of my favorite times. All right. So what are we doing? What are we doing today? Well, this week we thought we might do something a little different. As Caleb said, we're leaving the, the Dungeons and Dragons campaign on a cliffhanger and we will revisit. We'll find out what's going on in the Abbey. But maybe this week we thought, well, maybe just introduce ourselves a little more to the bookers and let them find out a little more about who we are and, and where we're from and what we get up to. Does that sound good? Yeah, we're going to do a little, we're going to do a little segment ourselves. So David's going to be up to plate first. I'll be the meat in this sandwich. And then Centra has something very, very cool to drop on us at the end. So we're going to say the best for last. Um, and if you guys thought that our D&D character personalities were crazy, well, guess what? You get to meet the real thing tonight. And it tops, I think, the D&D personalities even more. A little up close and personal with the host. So the bookers get to know us a little bit deeper, you know, bring you mm-hmm. into the into the back seat of my car, into my office. We can, um, you know, what did you call it before, you know, in rehearsal? Yeah, you had a whole little skit that we had. Yeah. I will snuggle you to the bosom. We're, going, we're all going to snuggle the bookers into Zintra's bosom. Into my bosom, uh, in the back seat of my car. They're good to go. I've got enough bosom for everyone. It's all good. Bring it on. All right. We are revisiting the kink episode here. Oh, before we roll (laughs) into David, I just wanted to say, look, everybody, stay tuned till the end. Not only is Centra going to drop a uh, a shock bomb on all of us, but also we got some really exciting news about future podcasts. Great things coming up. You're going to want to hear it because we're still going to repeat it like 50 times on Twitter this week anyway. But you can hear it here first. Without further ado, David Athman Cooper, this is your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Come on. Was an early age, truly precocious as a child. I don't know. Uh, what do you want to know? I I've been playing fantasy role playing games since a teenager, and reading a lot of reading a lot of fantasy. So I grew up reading from Tolkien, David Eddings, Raymond Feist, all of that kind of stuff. 
and that's kind of shaped what I like to write and, and kind of it, less about how I write these days, hopefully. I don't uh, do homages to uh, other authors and I try not to plagiarise, but uh, a little bit creeps in here and there. And David, you... now we know one. Go on. I was going to say one thing about David that is very impressive, and Cintra certainly likes it. We're going to get her trilling ah. again over there talking about. <laughs> um, David is a muscle-bound Steve Crow with beard-looking kind of guy who um, can kick butt in the martial arts. Now you mentioned playing D and D and fantasy games. You kind of describe yourself as kind of like the stereotypical nerd. Were you the guy at high school that could you know roll the dice and also? roll somebody's head down the hall if they made the mistake or did you become the uh the living legend of fisticuffs later in life <laughs> i wish i'd i wish i'd known martial arts when i was at school no 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 that came a lot later i i was i was the nerdy guy who kept his head down and stayed out of the way um and but i was kind of precocious and would stand up in class and I, I was always the guy getting on stage and uh trying to be in the school play and reading stuff out loud and and all that kind of stuff so yeah I've been a performer for a long time well if I had to mix two people together to get David Athen and Cooper it would be George Clooney and Bruce Lee all in one <laughs> just, mm. <laughs> just George Lee or Bruce Clooney oh, hey I'll, yeah. I'll take that Bruce Clooney <laughs> I don't think I could compare to either of them but I'll, I'll take that I'll own that I've Absolutely. seen your videos they are delicious <laughs> well I... now I'm not sure if I want you to send me this video or not now I'm not sure what kind of video <laughs> I found with him doing swordplay but now oh, you describe it is delicious isn't well, so, so any way, man, any man way, that can way. play with a six-foot stick gracefully mm -hmm. is delicious. Uh, the, the wolf's six teeth. Foot? Jesus, your benchmark is terrifying. If, well, indeed, <laughs> and, and Zintra's demanding girl. She knows what she wants. I do, but, I do. Yeah, no, I, I do in my kung fu practice. I do like the weapons, but probably my favourite is the double weapons. So the double sword. Um, if, if you're interested and you, you want a history lesson, if you go and look at uh, medieval Florence, they had a, a, a punishment that became known as Florentine flogging, which was you take a cat of nine tails in either hand and, and flog your, your victim until he's well and truly sorry. Um, and actually, Chinese sword play, the sort of the double sword form that I learned in, in my Zhao Gar, uh, is almost identical. So if you know anything about that, you'll know what the what the double sword looks like. But ah, hey, it, it's a lot of fun. It, it's terribly impractical day to day. I don't walk around the streets pulling swords around my head because the police take an interest. But it's good fun and it's a good way to try and stay in shape during COVID. Oh, absolutely. Valentine, what what um what era was that when this was going on back there um in the flogging time? It would be medieval, sort of around the time that Dante was writing and that Machiavelli was around, that that kind of era in Florence, particularly they came up with it. But I do, I mean, I do try if I when I'm writing fight scenes and battle scenes. Uh, in my stories, I do I do a little little of the martial arts bleed in, but I I try not to get too nerdy about it. Uh, my beta readers 
soundly give me a thick ear for getting too detailed in the stuff that I'm writing and, and pull it back to just the action. Well, they, if they see your sword play video, they might think twice about being too overly critical. Nine tails, so I'm good. <laughs> they're in other states, so they know they can get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't punch that far. And, and even I can't punch quite that far. No, I, I have to make do with harsh language and stinging rebukes, but um, only carefully oh. because I like my beta readers. They're really good. Oh, I don't yeah, think I've ever heard you got, harsh language, David. <laughs> uh, well, I will tell you, I, David I, strikes me as that individual that walks softly and carries a big stick. I've seen yeah, it. Know, is there, okay? <laughs> that's, that's just genetics, my friend. I, I can't do anything about that. <laughs> so, I mean, why not go ahead and I, let's I, just I, talk about okay. our dick sizes here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just draw a discreet veil and not go there. It's, it's all good fun. <laughs> but, so, so, what about uh, you, Caleb? Oh, we're moving right on into me, David. Were you add anything else you wanted to throw out there, Annis? I uh, I don't want to uh, preempt you. So uh, a couple of times we've mentioned on the podcast that I've just started an Instagram account, and I do I do a lot of photography in my spare time when I'm not writing, and, and I find that's inspiration for what I write. So so that's probably as much as the bookers need to know about me right now. And that's fine. They want to know so much more though. Nah, but I can't hog the limelight for the whole evening because you know, we need to know about Caleb. We need to know about the King of Schlock when he was just a wee young prince. Tell us oh, well, about you know, where I'm, you came from. You know I'm more than happy to talk about myself. Um, but you know, David, if you ever question whether or not I am a true friend of yours, keep in mind, I actually gave you additional time instead of talking about myself. And there is no greater gift than the King of Schlock can ever give. And I truly appreciate um, yeah, so check it out. Um, anybody knows I am a New Orleans third generation legacy. Um, my grandfather, he came over um, from Sicily, which is by far the most interesting part of my, like, uh, I guess, uh, heritage there is uh, the, the Sicilian grandfather. The rest is all really just generic, boring, uh, white stuff. Um, so, yeah, um, I... My mother was, my grandfather and my mother were both somewhat relevant in New Orleans. It was uh, really cool to be born into that. My grandfather owned a grocery store back like in the late 40s, early 50s, whenever he came back from the war. And back then, back in those days, if you, if you owned a business, okay, you were kind of part of the, I don't know, inner circle. You know, you kind of got to sit down with other folks. This was before like, you know, the big mega marts came in and everything else. You know, small business was still kind of a thing. My grandfather knew everybody. He knew how to work with people. My mother um, was a professional dancer. Um, she was a majorette for the New Orleans Saints. And um, I don't know, I'm kind of just reading off wow. my bio at this point. Um, but yes, it was an incredible way to, <clears throat> to kind of grow up. We didn't have, we weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination. But my family kind of mastered that art of, you know, knowing the right people. So uh, for that, I was able to go to, um, <clears throat> actually went, as I mentioned before, actually went to Catholic school, even though that does not reflect in my adult, uh, my adult practices all the time, but we couldn't afford the tuition, but it was like my mother was able to reach out to somebody who was like her track coach or her dance coach or something that she was in school. 
and they knew something before you knew it. I was getting to go to, you know, uh, the tuition was a suggestion more so than a uh, demand. And it was really kind of cool growing up. And my biggest regret is that I did not foster those kind of connections. My mother and grandfather were always trying to introduce me around the people as a child. And, you know, oh, remember this person or this? And I never gave a shit. I wanted to play video games. I wanted to watch cartoons. And I wanted to find ways to skip school and stay home to play video games and watch cartoons. So, so you, so you didn't know. spend your childhood sneaking out into the bayou looking for an eight-foot-tall swamp monster that wrestled alligators and rescued women with, with white streaks in their hair. Well, me and Sentra have kind of talked about that guy in the past mm-hmm. on one of the episodes. Yeah. You present for it. it was our cryptid episode. But no, um, I, on the other hand, um, I brought the weird, creepy shit just right onto our neighborhood mm-hmm. in Norman East. Um, I used to just make up shit as a kid. And I would like, there was, okay, so here's the story. There was, from where our apartment was, across this fence, there was a condominium complex, sort of. And there was just this random window that faced from that to, like, you know, my apartment. And for some reason, I just got this bug up my ass one day to just start telling people that house was haunted. Um, and, of course, us being, talking about precautions, uh, you know, we were just asshole bastard kids. Um, we decided that the best way to, detect the ghost's presence would be to throw things at that window all the time. <laughs> things including pine cones and um, eventually marbles, which also turned out to be the last day that we ghost hunted um, Caleb style because we ended up putting a marble through their window. What could possibly and, go wrong with that plan? Ah, we did not expect them to get in their car, drive around into our apartment and actually track us down. But let me tell you something. <laughs> they wasn't Oops. ghosts, but they were scary. And, uh, but yeah, I, I was always, that was always me. I've always been a storyteller. Um, and I always say that if I could just be a storyteller and not have to write the shit out, I would do that for a living. I'd just travel around like a goddamn minstrel and just tell my stories. But I got to write them around and make them portable, I guess. But um, yeah, that was always me. I was always, and I was always just coming up with shit. I convinced the kids in my neighborhood one time that there was this apartment that I gave the very generic name of as the hot house. And the hot house was basically a whorehouse that if you use the secret knock on the door, they would just open it for you. And it didn't matter that we were all like 10. Now, these women would just invite us on in for a uh, raunchy escapade. And I told this story so in depth about the alleged hot house that, of course, they wanted to go and try and find it. And I'm like, yeah, let's go look for it. And I started to actually think maybe there is a hot house. And that's when I was like, this is my calling. This is definitely what I like to do. And um, I even said, oh, here's the secret knock. I made up like some random knock. Like, yeah, all you got to do is if you, like, if you use a regular knock, they're just going to answer the door and be like, what do you want? But if you use the secret knock, they're just going to invite you in and fulfill all your fantasies. Oh, the hot house, man. God. There never was. Have you, written, have you written that book? Huh? Have you written that book? You need to write that book. I, you know, I might, I, I would love to just be able to poof it out of my imagination. The, the adventures of Caleb and his friends in search of the hot house and throwing marble through the windows. I'm sure that I could come up with some kind of, I don't know, lean on me kind of story. But instead of looking yeah. for a dead body, we're just making yeah. trouble in the neighborhood. Um, but no, I mean, that would, I don't know, like I said, I just always loved doing that kind of stuff. I loved the fact that, you know, people would 
really listen in to what I was talking about. And it drove a lot of the other kids' parents crazy. I was not well-liked by all of my friends' parents because I think they found me to be obnoxious. Um, and I actually, I did get told once by a friend's parents that I was not allowed to tell ghost stories at their house anymore because apparently, like, after the sleepover was over and I went back home, like, I guess one of the kids did not want to sleep in their own bed that night. And I was, as a kid, I was really kind of bothered by it because, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to feel unwelcome there forever now. But as an adult, I look back and I'm like, damn, that's pretty fucking dope. And like, I, I like that. I like the fact that I almost got banned from a friend's house because I like, gave one of my friends a nervous breakdown or some shit with a scary story. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of a claim to fame. That's pretty cool. So, hey, I was famous in that person's mind for at least that one night. Oh, definitely. So we, we know a little about your army days, but sort of fast forward. So what, what's happening with you now? What are you, when, when you're not writing, what are you doing? Well, I, um, I'm doing a little bit of career transition right now. I'm very excited about that. Um, I kind of landed a nine to five that I'm actually really excited to go and do. It's not like the typical, oh, I'm a writer who has to maintain the nine to five mentality with this job. This is actually something that I'm really looking forward to going into. So that's really exciting. Oh, you know, that's actually really rare that I consider and be like, I can't wait to go to my new job. Um, but no, I work, um, I work in hospitality mainly because New Orleans is the largest industry or second largest industry is hospitality in New Orleans. And so there always are great opportunities. You know, I've done casino work. I have done uh, mm-hmm. a lot of hotel work, things like that. Worked at a couple of, you know, four diamond, five diamond hotels. Um, really yeah, hotel and bar work kind of fun. It really is. It's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of crazy people, so many different personalities. And, um, you know, once again, you kind of, you kind of do get an opportunity to, you know, kind of always improve, you know, on your, you know, you've, you've mentioned having a public speaking background. I have a public speaking background as well. And yeah, that ability to kind of meet new people and, you know, uh, use your personality as your, as your leading banner is, is very cool. It's a skill that you have to kind of work on, but uh, when you get good at it, damn, it's not marketable. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else I'm going to tell you about my biggest achievements, the, the coolest things. And when, then we will transition towards, I think, Sintra and her big. Well, I was, I was actually going to ask, uh, yeah, please, what have you achieved? But what's, what's something that the bookers wouldn't know about you? What's something that you do or you've done that the bookers really wouldn't guess? Do or done that they would not guess? Well, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of difficult because I don't know every individual booker's uh, perception of me as a person. But um, I mean, I, the Catholic school thing usually kind of catches people by surprise. Um, uh-huh. um, no, I'm trying to think. I mean, I was, I was on Animal Planet. Um, I was in a do- I've been in a couple of documentaries. Um, Animal Planet wow. probably being the biggest network opportunity that I landed. Um, if anybody wants to see it, the video is on YouTube. If you look up Most Extreme Super Sharks, click on that episode. And if you scroll up to about the 15-minute mark, you get to the Caleb segment of that episode of the Most Extreme. That was really and, awesome. And you and do still you, have all your limbs, I'm guessing. Well, I wasn't messing with the sharks. I was a ghost hunter on that show. Uh-huh. Um, because the, the most extreme, what they would do is they compare like an animal and then they compare the closest human kind of, I guess, uh, 
you know, uh, version of it. So like, you know, they have like some little crab that can pull its claws out super fast. So they compare that to somebody that's like a quick draw shooter or some shit like that. Well, in this case, my animal companion was the ragged tooth shark, which sounds ugly and is. And it um, it has, and regrows them. Yeah. So it has these weird lens eyes that allows it to see almost, I don't know, like uh, in, I don't know, infrared or some shit. I don't know. It can see stuff that normal eyes can't. So I guess the production decided that, you know, let's compare it to a ghost hunter. So I was the counterpart to the ragged tooth shark. Oh, right. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> and we'll I, the opportunity. I, yeah, you should definitely look it up, if anything, just so you can see what 24-year-old Caleb looked like when all of my hair was brown and um, I didn't have quite as many lines in the old days. But, um, no, I mean, I think one of my biggest regrets, though, is that the, the TV appearances, you know, back then, early 2000s, we're talking about, you didn't have social media, IMDb, and all that kind of shit to kind of market for you. A lot of it was you did good with one, you know, company or whatever, and I guess they would kind of put your name out there like, hey, this person's good to work with. So uh, Animal Planet was my second documentary that I'd gotten to be in. And a third one called me, and it was a UK-based company that wanted to do this big ghost thing. And I would have had the opportunity to get flown over there to the UK for the filming of it. Um, but it was at literally the worst time in my life for something that big because my son had just been born. I had just started a new job. And the way that we got paid for that one would have been on like a, you got paid at the end more or less. Uh, mm. And I, I couldn't just leave, you know, my first wife and my kid back in the States. They weren't going to fly my whole family over there. It was just going to be me, you know. I couldn't just leave them back there to fend for themselves, you know, and, and try to make enough on per diem or something. So I had to pass on it. And sadly, just as quickly as you can become known as somebody who's easy to work with, if you turn down a good opportunity, you can also kind of be like, all right, this was a waste of time. And I was never contacted. Nightmare. Damn. It is sad. It, it is very sad. I, I kind of always kind of wonder what, what that could have led to. Maybe the king of schlock would have been known for schlocky television performances instead of schlocky writing. Had it still been a king? Could have been. Could have been. So, so hey, Zintra what so growing up on you know, in somewhere in deepest darkest queensland what what got you into writing i'm actually victorian not queenslander but i've grown oh, up most of my, <laughs> grown up most of my life here but i was born in victoria um what got me into writing a dare got me into writing that's all somebody dared me to do it uh, told me i couldn't do it so i did it that was it. I was a late bloomer with that one. Um, I was never, I was never a writer growing up. Uh, my English teacher told me that uh, I should take up a trade, so never was going to be a writer. But here I am, writing away. So, so. what, what was the day to day life of Central Sullivan before you were an international bestseller? Like, what did you do for the day job? What was your, you know, what are you doing? What At was what the trade? Stage? Like all of us, we've done so many different jobs along the thing from, you know, washing dogs to uh, telemarketing to, you know, there's uh, I've done a plethora of different jobs just to make money. But uh, I think probably one of the most. What did you want to do, I guess, you know, if it, wasn't, if it hadn't become writing? Like what was your uh, ambitions? 
what I always wanted to do growing up, where I was really shy, a little girl, like super, super shy. My mum used to wear really long hippie skirts and I would hide underneath the hippie skirt uh, so I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. Um, so my mother put me into dancing and, and from that point on I always wanted to be a dancer professionally. Uh, however, the bosom got too large to be a professional dancer so I became okay. a dancer. I'm a teacher, and yeah, you probably didn't want to be that kind of dancer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. And uh, at 16, I opened my own school. I was still in high school myself, and I opened my own performance school at 16, and uh, was a qualified dance and drama teacher, uh, and had a performance group that travelled Australia performing at different events. You are so, like, you know, that is so kind of almost surreal, but in all the right cool ways like how much you kind of paralleled you know the, my own mother and i'm not saying it's like oh yeah you're like a mom to me but um you know i don't want you, you know the age thing there don't go after me on that but um no but i mean my mother had a you know my mother came from dancing she did the same thing she opened her own school she did that's really cool and it's uh yeah it's really nifty one of the the things i remember the most about my teaching and i mean i still teach drama now if i'm asked to to do it with some of the schools. I do some uh, 10 week or 20 week stints with them occasionally if I've got time. Um, but when I was teaching at, at the ripe old age of 16, 17, uh, I had a group and I mean, I taught a lot of students and, and every one of them was special in their own way, but there was this a particular group of students or a class that I had, and there was only eight of them, but they were so pivotal to me developing as a woman that um, oh, they make me feel all fuzzy just thinking about them. They were a group of girls. They were only eight or nine-year-olds. Uh, they had cerebral palsy or muscular dystrophy or uh, issues that um, restrained them physically. Now, these, these eight girls taught. I mean, I'm the dance teacher by trade, and yet they taught me how to move to music because they couldn't move in the way that I'd been taught to move. So they taught me how to move their way and how to embrace the music their way. And it was truly one of the most amazing experiences that I've been through to connect beyond what I was taught. Uh, and, and it just, it was, it was to see the joy in their faces with the music and, and how, they felt it. It wasn't. It wasn't just. Hey, I'm listening to music and I'm doing the steps that, you know, that I'm taught to do and I'm performing or whatever else. It was just the pure, unadulterated joy of movement that these girls showed me, and it, it stuck with me for life. It was truly amazing. Sounds like they really were able to embrace kind of like the artistic side of performance art. They were able to, you know, really just let it flow through them as a, a joy, as opposed to a task. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. They had a great teacher. They had a great teacher. That's what they had, you know. Yeah. So there you go. They're probably sitting around telling stories about you right now. Like, yeah, you know, we had this lady and, you know, she, yeah, there you go. So it all goes full circle. You might be, um, you might <laughs> this, be the subject of somebody's cool. You'd be the crazy dance teacher. 
dance teacher with Where did Bruce Bruce Bruce? That's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Look, I know you literally got like you got like punky Brewster. You got punky Brewster out of dance is what happened to you. Well when you, you get know, yeah, when you develop a rack that you have the skills to be a, a ballerina, I you know, I I was up on point. I, I I mean I don't like to toot my own horn, but you know, I wasn't I was decent. And um but you know, ballerinas tend to not have Racks. <laughs> they tend to be a different physical construction. Yeah, I've got a little curvier than um, the ballerina industry preferred, and I'm a little taller because you know, at five foot ten, generally ballerinas don't really grow to five foot ten. They tend You're to be five a ten. I am five ten. Yeah, taller than me. Goddamn. Uh, are you? I'm five, I'm five nine, and, and that's my height as well. So. I, well, if I put my boots on, I hit six foot. So, um, oh, Jesus, by all means, let's just make it even, yeah, rub it in even more. <laughs> I do like the boots. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so growing up, it was, uh, I was in the country. So, uh, you, you know, mentioned that before. We talked okay. about that so, in the past that you kind of grew up yeah. out in the sticks a little bit. Um, have you ever lived in the city? I've never lived in the city, no. Now, like where you are right now, is it still like super rustic, like out in the middle of nowhere? Or are you kind of doing the suburban, you know? Oh, it's suburban where I live now. Absolutely suburban. Uh, but I've never lived in the city where, um, you know, I've always dreamed of it where you don't have to have cars. So you could you could just catch the, you know, the bus or the train or the trams or whatever that you have. And, and you're in apartments and everything grow, everything's up. Where where I am, it's everything's out because you've got the urban sprawl that happens. Um, well, you're describing New York. I mean, they're the ones that like. I mean, it always blew my mind that you got New Yorkers that are like in their 40s and 50s, and they literally don't know how to drive a car because they've just never yeah. get a driver's license. Yeah, it's so bizarre to me because you know I hit 17. I was uh, that license was in my hand as soon as I could get it. I had it because to me growing up in the country it was freedom it was the only way to get around you needed wheels so you know hey jump in the pickup truck and we're just ride on out there to the hungry <laughs> oh look we only had hungry jacks in my town open up five days ago that's it well now you can add that to the so taco bell and you're just really out. hitting a ton of uh first times there I, for you. I had to drive an hour to get to a taco bell <laughs> that was over an hour <laughs> You should get like free tacos for my years. I should. Yeah, you tell them that. It was the first five years for me in Australia. I didn't have a car. Oh, really? Living in living in Central Sydney, did no, really? couldn't afford the parking. So yeah. Yeah, so you just catch all the public transport, and they have great public transport. Sydney's got epic public transport. Oh, Sydney side is complaining about it no end, right. but it is it is pretty. Good. Well, compared to. Nice. Other places. Well, you know, I see, like from my perspective, and I've lived in the city my entire life. Um, now, to now for living in Louisiana, New Orleans is the largest city, you know, and growing up here, I always felt like I was pretty goddamn city savvy. But, you know, New Orleans is actually pretty small compared to cities like Los Angeles or San Francisco or New York or Chicago. And I can tell you, I, we, I've taken one trip. Uh, we did about a 10 day trip up to New York or Brooklyn. Um, for my wife's brother's wedding. And I got off that plane thinking, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good. I can, you know, I'm from New Orleans. I mean, what's the difference, right? I learned real quick. I felt like a podunk 
freaking uh, peon when I when I experienced just how vast New York is and the fact that mm. a cab ride across town can take an hour and a half. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're going across the state. Uh, mm-hmm. Very an hour and a half to go across town. Are you serious? That's New York. We got off at LaGuardia and um, we we're going to Brooklyn to our Airbnb. And the cab driver's like, oh, yeah, it's only going to take about an hour and 30 minutes. And I'm just like, an hour and 30 minutes for what? Like, are you telling us when you're getting off work? Like, <laughs> it's not, you, can't be, it, you can't be talking about the destination. And But the thing is, like, New Orleans is, you know, it's nicknamed the Big Easy. And a lot of people think that means, you know, because it's like, yeah, we just all take it easy down here. But no, it actually got that nickname when they put the um, I-10 interstate through it. Um, it is one of the easiest cities in America to traverse. Um, it, it's almost impossible to get lost in New Orleans. And um, it doesn't take, New Orleans itself as a city is only about four miles, you know, from tip to tail. Um, so driving across town in New Orleans is maybe 25 minutes. Oh, he's going again. <laughs> we are jinxed with technology. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, let's hope he comes back. Oh, this is... uh, but what? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, hey, uh, the bookers want to know, so we know where you we know a bit about where you come from and teaching dance. What do you do now when you're not? I, I am a factory manager, so I um I have a few guys. Oh, he's back. Yay, he's back. I have a few guys that I manage. I, I manage uh, big companies. There's two sides to the business that I work for, one that's very local and deals with smaller companies uh, within a drivable distance, and then there's a side that uh, deals with very large orders, very big companies, and a lot of trucks. So I deal with that side of it. A little, a little bit of pressure, a lot of pressure. A lot of hours mm-hmm. at the moment. Busy season. Uh, busy season. So we, we know you've got a family, but so be- between busy, busy at work and, and keeping the family together, how do you find time to write? Ah, when they all go to sleep. Sleep is over overrated for me. I don't sleep very well, so I write. You know, what else That's did you do? Okay. You, you hit um, a certain age. I mean, for me, like I, I sleep for shit these days. Yeah, I'm 40. And believe it or not, bookers, I'm the young one. But, um, <laughs> Don't call me out. I feel yes, so targeted so. right now. Yeah. Oh, God. Look. <laughs> you, both of you look way better than I do. Like, I might be younger, but I have aged so shitty that I may as well be the oldest. Oh, bad decisions and bad life choices. That's what happens with Kay Van and Kellum. But uh, but as long as you enjoy them, that's all. Oh, I uh, I'm, so. I'm not a sun worshipper because you know my mother was Scottish. She was born in um, Glasgow, and my grandparents or her parents were one was born in Scotland, one was born in uh, England. So I have that very pale skin, freckles, red hair uh, image. Um, yeah, when we, when we had the. We had the graphics done for our like um, podcast banner. I wanted yeah. to be like, what color did what color did you tell them to use for your tone? Oh, like, I think because like, I, I am white. there is there is I am I am full on. I don't tan. I don't tan. I might have 
spastic melanin that just creates <laughs> that creates freckles. I don't I don't tan. Uh, I go red. I go white. There you go. That's the two colours that Sintra gets. Uh, so in doing that, I've never and of course been in Queensland where it's very hot and sun worshiping is very um, high priority for a lot of girls. Uh, I didn't fit in very well. Uh, and of course, then now in my older years, uh, I don't have that, that same leathered look that they do. So I guess it sort of paid off in the long run, not being a sunbaker. But... It's all swings. And yeah, yeah. Now my wife, my wife, Naomi is Korean. So she will look, she'll look 30 until I'm 90. So, I mean, she is, she is absolutely ageless. I was looking through some old yearbook pictures from her high school days the other day, and I mean, she looks almost identical. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I got the worst fucking genetics in the goddamn <laughs> world. Everything either goes gray or wrinkles or just, I, I don't know. And I mean, I had gray Go hair. Head south. That's well, the problem. I had gray hair in high school. It started going gray, and I loved it back then because that was cool. That was the only gray-haired kid in the high school. So that was like my thing. Uh, but when I actually got to the age where having gray hair made sense, it stopped being fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I started going gray at 20, 25. Uh, and yeah, for a little while it was cool. And then... Uh. Have you ever done the just for men hair coloring treatment on yourself there, David? I have never in my life, when I was a teenager, a girlfriend of mine tried to put color in my hair and my hair ate the color. I had black hair until it started to go gray. But, you know, you can do the salt and pepper and then you can go into the silver fox look. So I'm, I'm trying to say, so I'm rocking the George Clooney. Yeah, rocking and I wake up every day and that's how I look. And then I look in the mirror and it lies. But there, that's cool. I can, I can go with that. But hey, right at the beginning of the show, uh, we said that Zintra has a surprise announcement for us. Oh, so buckle in, boys and girls. What are you working on at the no, no, this was it was. Tell us, tell us what's your new. Project? It was. Come it's up. a book. It's a book project because I'm writing. I know I've told you guys before that I wanted to write my twentieth book by the end of 2020. So I finished my nineteenth book mm-hmm. uh, last week and sent it off to the editor. Um, and I need my twentieth book by the end of 2020. So. And you know how I've told you that my characters come to me. I don't create them. They come to me. Not everybody understands the way I write, but it's just the way I am. Um, they pull up a seat at the bar. Exactly, exactly. So I'm at work and Akadaka comes on the radio with that All Shook Up song or You Shook Me All Night Long, whichever one it is. Um, she means ACDC, well. fellow American. She means ACDC in case anybody wants to know what the fuck Akadaka is. Akadaka came on the radio and insorted, sorted, sorted this woman. Her name is Erica, uh, spelt with an A. And um, she is a madam of a paranormal brothel and has demanded that I write her story. And uh, I am looking at her with her leather pants and this red leather jacket with black clasps and buckles and I'm going, oh, okay, you want me to write what? 
Spoiler alert, you were so, actually just so standing is, in front of a this mirror. This is not going to be a PG-13 title, I guess. Well, no, it's not going to be PG-13 because I um, have now joined a couple of BDSM pages. I'm doing a lot of research on stuff that I have no idea what is going on. Uh, there is mention of devices that I'm like, what do you do with that? Do I really want to know what you want to do with that? And now the thing is, though, because I'm dealing with paranormal, um, I have all of these images of paranormal appendages and how oh, they God. work. It's going to be things with and- wings and dicks and fucking <laughs> unicorn horns. Exactly. So, you know, like, like C-Pell can help with all the paranormal porno, uh, and it's going to be writing a story about a madam, uh, the memoirs of a paranormal madam. Oh, but hey, haunted toys won't need batteries. How cool is uh-huh. that? That's true. Yeah, it might be that cool for the toy, depending on who's using it. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm a bit um excited. Oh, he's gone again. I'm a like, bookers. We kept we're having trouble keeping Caleb in our conversation at the moment. He keeps on going in and out a bit. So um, he's getting a little bit with us with that. But yeah, it sounds like a fun. Uh, well, it will be a fun book to write. Uh, hopefully, the the readers will uh, sit and giggle and blush along with me as I write. So I, he's writing it. I hopefully the bookers will, um, all my readers will sit and blush and giggle along with me as I write it because I don't, I don't write dirty very often. I don't think I've ever written a full dirty book the entire way. So um, buckle in. It's together. <laughs> Put all your tweets together. You'll have a dirty book. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds well, truly fantastic. But you, you know you've got a couple of beta readers. Well, I know. Both, of you, both of you guys got a little kink going on. So I might come and have a little chat to you on the side and uh, get a little pointers. I, I think I got yeah. a little subject matter expertise on the subject. You ask me what you need. I'm not shy. I missed okay. my, my damn joke. So we had a technical difficulty. And I was making a joke about the vibrator being like a toy from Toy Story. And it comes to life. And then the old lady comes in. And she's like, there's my buzzer. And it's just like, oh, gee, she's back again. And I got cut off on the whole thing, so I had to go. Oh, great. (laughs) All right. Timing is everything. Everything, exactly. Now, you're cutting in and out, so let's get on with some news quickly that we want to do about the future of What the Book. Um, Good stuff, folks. We are moving. We're packing our bags getting our stuff, our coffee mugs in the boxes, sealing them up, and we are moving platform. Uh, We're rather excited about it because uh, we get to do it live every Sunday for us. What the book book is coming at you live starting next week. That is right. I'm so excited about it. So in Australia, it'll be 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Uh, and in New Orleans, it'll be mm-hmm. 7 p.m. on a Saturday evening. Um, of course, where you are in relation to New Orleans, adjust your times accordingly. But accordingly. what it will mean is that you, our awesome bookers, will be able to talk to us as we're chatting and interact. In real time. In real time, and I'm super excited about it. How cool will that be? 
Now, I think most of the folks out there listening understand how live podcasts work. They've probably been wondering why the hell we ain't been doing it. And we have seen the light, folks. Absolutely. Anchor's been cool. It got us going. But you know what? It's time to move on to slightly more dynamic platform. Pod, uh, Podbean is going to be the new home for Podbean. us. And, um, yeah. And yeah, we'll be able to do call. But we will we'll still be What the Book podcast. We'll still be accessed on all the usual platforms if you want to download and listen Twitter to us now. With, yep. You and can also find we'll be coming to YouTube, folks. YouTube, everybody. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's the plan is to stream it out onto YouTube. Um, you can talk to us and communicate with us while we're doing the podcast. And uh, we will have guests that can dial in, uh, uh, fellow authors, um, randoms, you never know. Calls from the public. That's right. You can yeah. be, look, if we jawjacking and you got something to say, comment, question, concern, Criticism, save it for the other two. I don't want to hear you. But <laughs> I compliments, don't do on the other hand. Compliments, though, poor Amomi. But, yeah, you dial in. And, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you guys, uh, we're not going to keep insulting the bookers intelligence. They know how this shit works. And we're finally yeah. going to be on the ball. We're, we're catching up to yeah. 2016, folks. Yeah, yeah. So follow, of course, follow What the Book podcast on Twitter. This is where nothing changes on Twitter uh, and all of our information will go straight up this week and to where to find us next Sunday uh, and how uh, to link up to us and uh, come and chat to us. We, I am so pumped to have um, live to be live it will be awesome it's live folks you know what that means the possibility of fuck-ups that's the best part that's the only reason why anybody watches i mean look people watch nascar to see the car crashes people listen to live hear people screw up that's right there's a really good chance that one of us might say something cringeworthy You'll get to hear it in real time. Our motto has always been wear pants and scripts. Are uh, so it's going to be don't, fun. It's going to be live. I don't wear pants. No more safety net, guys. That's okay. We, we, are, we are crossing the tightrope <laughs> without a net, ladies and gentlemen. That is it. It will be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. So um, book is definitely, this is the last one that will be on Anchor. So I'm not sure how that plays out with Spotify, with Podbean. But... Uh, check us out on the Twitter feed, both, um, oh, of course, myself and both David and Caleb will, uh, you know, we'll make sure that we, we oh, God, my teeth aren't even wet. My, we'll retweet all the information on our pages as well from what the book So There's no chance that you can't uh, find us or miss out on the action that will be happening next Sunday, Saturday afternoon. In this new format we Absolutely. got. It'll be retweeting until everyone's blue. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun and he's gone again. <laughs> I love this. There's something it's going like on the down reappearing in and disappearing act of Caleb <laughs> on this particular <laughs> podcast. So, yes. All right. We're going to make it go. And next week. Oh, he's back. <laughs> next week. He's back to say goodbye. <laughs> Follow yeah. us. I was just about to talk about our cool new dynamic that we're going to be pushing out. Three topics for the price of one. Get ready, folks. We're going to start going rogue around this motherfucker. That's right. We're going to be bringing our own stuff to the table. 
and you know I'm going to do my best to make oh. it as crazy as possible. It makes me so nervous when you say things like that. <laughs> get all like, oh, Trust us, my God. We have, your, we have your interests at heart. Don't worry. <laughs> all right. It's not like we'll embarrass you publicly. Yes, we will. You would take great joy in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's okay. see how but we can fun. make Sintra squirm this week. Yes, let's go. Excellent. Um Oh, gosh, if you talk kinky stuff live on, oh, I'll be done. Um, is, that, is that a request? Okay. I can make sure that I start working on some A material. But we're just helping you with your research. I'm going to need some kinky research, boys. So maybe we'll have to do another kinky pod bean talk. Um <laughs> and you, but I'm sure neither of you will. You, know you can, you can just that. pick you that topic. To the challenge, the beauty, sure we could. the beauty of the triple threat topics now is that Centra, if you want to talk about kink, just bring it to the table. I can bring the kink. Uh, I'm so bring new to bringing the kink, but I'm going to embrace the kink. I'm going to Centra is going to embrace the kink and see how kinky she can get. Ooh. I think I just kinked myself then. Um, all right. Jesus. That's okay. We're your friends. Will be, <laughs> you'll be fine. Okay. All right. So next week, check us out on the Twitter page during the week next week. Come and check out the new platform. Um, we'll make sure we We're get it painted and some pictures put up and some lava lamps and bean bags thrown around and come and take a seat and chill out with us for an hour. Lava lamps and bean bag chairs, folks. I repeat once again, I'm the young one here. Um, <laughs> also during the week, and Hey guys, stay tuned. Stay tuned on our Twitter throughout the week. Center and I and David, hopefully too. We'll be doing some lives on Twitter, maybe Instagram as well. Yeah. Um, and just, just to kind of, you know, promote the uh, the new change, the format and everything like that. And then you can kind of get a taste of interacting with us live. Yeah. I guarantee yeah. it'll be just as it'll be just as bad as interacting live with me on the podcast. So get yourself yeah. ready. Yeah, all right. Buckle in, bookers. <laughs> this is going to be a ride you don't want to miss. All right. It's going to be a ride. That's cool. <laughs> okay, boys. I will see you next week um, live. You will indeed. All right. New time, new platform. Same great. <laughs> <laughs> Same something content. All right. See you later, bookers. <laughs> Bye, guys. Good night, everybody. Bye.